0: Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's five-blade razor and shave gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R.
1: Hello, hockey fans. I'm Paul Bruno here with Andrew Fiorentino, and we are the Great Ones. It's our 19th episode. Pretty soon we'll be at a a, saw, a double sawbuck, as they say in Canada, 20. And uh, today is February the 25th, 2016. We're only four days away from the NHL trade deadline, and the rumor mill is heating up, Andrew. Really big time around these parts. I'm sure uh, where you are, it's the same deal for ho- hockey talkers uh season-long fantasy leagues are also likely to be impacted by that activity so let's try and help those owners out with an exploration of what might happen and i kind of cover this off in this week's from the press box column as well so i want to kind of build on that and include you and your perspective on three different scenarios what to do in keeper leagues when we reach this time of the season the first scenario is this andrew what do you do if you're a top club in your league at this time of year well, uh, I don't think it's uh, necessarily a big secret. You
2: take uh, every single prospect you've got and you ship them off to fill every single hole on your team or as close as you can get. And uh, now running, I'm running into that situation in a dynasty league of my own where I'm, I've been running, trying to catch up uh, to the guy that's been running in first place all year. I'm solidly in second. I uh, don't really have any fears of being displaced. Uh, but I had pretty much traded all of my prospects already uh, trying to to build up. And, uh, you know, you just have to work the wire a lot. It helps a lot. I mean, people don't know. You can pick up prospects off the waiver wire in Dynasty Leagues where they just have free pickups for nothing. And wait a couple months, these guys are putting up big stats, and all of a sudden you can flip them for a veteran who can help you down the stretch.
1: Well, your point is well taken. I mean, that happened in one in one of my leagues last year, actually uh, last week, and it's actually one of the Rotowire leagues where we have staff included. And uh, I looked at the waiver wire, and one of the teams made a trade for a top-notch goalie, and they released Robin Leonard. Now, I have top uh, a few, a couple of good goalies, but. There's gaps in the schedule where they won't be playing. So I picked him up, and then right away, once some, some other lower team saw this and said, oh, geez, I didn't even know he, he was available. Well, that's a faux pas at the managerial level, and you've got nobody to, <laughs> nobody to blame but anybody that you look at the mirror with. So, so that, that, that's a great tip and a great point that you make, that you really should pay attention to the waiver wires in your league and what's available on the free agent list, and certainly it's, it's – not like you should expect to win every year. So the first thing that you said was, was key, and that is, you've got you to be all in when you got this chance. And so uh, you've got to be prepared to mortgage you know, draft picks for next year if they're a part of your league, and prospects that you've been hoping to hold on to for the balance of the season. Very good points, Andrew, and I echo them completely in that particular scenario. Uh, second scenario. What do you do if you're a playoff team but not a top-tier club and you've got some prospects on your team and, again, you're looking in a keeper league, you're thinking, okay, you're kind of half pregnant here. You're half in and half out. What's the sense that you have in that circumstance?
2: I think mean, in that situation, you look at your team you say, okay, what's the future look like? Uh, if the future looks really good, then you mostly stick to your guns and stay with what you have and you hope that you can get hot at the right time, make a run in the playoffs. And if not, Well, then, uh, you should start selling off some veterans, probably, and uh, maybe you should become a seller if you're on the back end of that playoff picture having to face a juggernaut on the other end. That said, you know, this past fantasy football season, I was a 35-point favorite in my uh, divisional playoff matchup, and I lost. So these things do happen. That's why
1: they play the games, man. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of am in the same boat with your thinking on this one as well. If you're a mid-range playoff team, there are certainly teams that are ahead of you that you have to admit are the better ones. So you're going to kind of have to catch lightning in a bottle with some strong late finishers, and you have to keep an eye on next season. So uh, what I would do in this circumstance is identify a core of keepers, maybe four or five guys, and then exactly. say, what can I do with the rest of these guys? Can I parlay them into an asset that will help me this year? Or do I kind of look at the top tier and say, what can I get from a team that's really uh, hounding me for for some of my top players can I create a bit of a bidding war and if you've got two teams that are searching your roster you're away to the races in that regard so it really depends on the situation around you and in your league uh, so you got to take a hard look around and work in the wires is a key look at you, you hear, we hear every day the general managers are wearing out their cell phones these days four days ahead of the trade deadline if you're serious about your fantasy league you got to be doing the same thing absolutely Paul uh, so uh, the final scenario Andrew uh, what if you're on the cusp of, of the playoff contention? So you're not in right now. Do you try your best to get in this year, or or do you say let's let's uh, fold the cards and say uh, maybe I can sell off to a contender uh, one or two of my better players and get some really good prospects for the future? So, uh, again, I'll defer to you uh, first crack at this one. I think that's kind of a similar circumstance to the other one where
2: you're evaluating your core and seeing whether – You know, not only what the court looks like, but also even down to what your upcoming schedules look like. You know, does your team, do your players have favorable upcoming schedules? Do you think that you might show well in the playoffs because, you know, you've just got the numbers for it uh, as opposed to necessarily having the talent?
1: Well, and another key point there, and I'll relate that to a very interesting uh, pool that I'm in. Uh, What we do is we only play on nights where the NHL has a minimum of seven games. So you have to really... Look at the remaining schedule. Like you said, uh, this is where it really comes into play, where the schedule really directs how many games you have left with certain players. And so, uh, for instance, today I had a guy offer me a goalie, and I found, well, of the 17 games that are on our schedule, he might only start for five five games out of those 17 dates. And I'm pretty well covered off in the other 12, not to say that I don't have options in the, in the other five. So he's asking for a, a high round draft pick, and I'm saying, well, if I'm only going to get use use of uh, of him for three or four games, maybe five, I don't think I need to go that high. And so that's my counter, and and that really uh, adds to what you said in that regard too. So really, understanding the parameters of your pool is key in each of these scenarios, and and measuring the the possible rewards is also a key factor. So uh, I hope we've covered that off in the in the different scenarios. And I, as I said, I go into a little more detail with the real NHL teams. And these scenarios in this week's from the Press Box column, which should be out later today. Yeah, later today I would say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, you know
2: these uh, these lower teams, they have to yeah, they've got tough choices to make. But uh, you can you can really make a lot of hay uh, out of especially in rotisserie leagues when you look at not only what categories do you have to gain in, but what categories do your enemies have a chance in being caught up in. Uh, you can play that game, uh, and and
1: if you're in position to do it, uh, you should, if you want to win. No question. That's that's uh, teaching your opponents and kind of using that information to your advantage, kind of being a used car salesman and saying, look, it, here's what you need. This is how I can help. Let let's make a deal. And so uh, you do the comb over and get it done. <laughs> in the NHL, we've seen a couple of minor trades this past week. Uh, Andrew and uh, Happily for me, they involved Maple Leafs and and dumping off some of the prospects. What we've seen so far is that the Leafs have been able to peddle three uh, uh, pending UFAs. Two of them actually scored against one another the other night in the first game that they went head-to-head, Spalling and Matthias, but they also dealt Roman Polak. In exchange for these guys, none of whom is a top-six player or a top-four defenseman, they got quite a haul. They got two top uh, second-round picks, one-fourth, an additional prospect, and then a cheap expiring contract in Rafi Torres, which is not a really an issue for the cash-rich Maple Leafs, leaving them with a record twelve picks for the upcoming seventh round, uh, seven round amateur draft. That's kind of what you can do at the deadline if you're a, if you're a low end team. You can really stock up. They expect to be busy uh, moving as many as six more UFAs, including the likes of Parento, Boys, and Bernier, uh, Reimer, possibly. And uh, I last saw this kind of a situation when the Dallas Cowboys, my favorite NFL team built the foundation for their three Super Bowl winners in four years in the 90s. I'm hoping for a repeat here, Andrew, but what else are you looking for at the trade deadline as we approach uh, uh, next Monday? All right, so first of all, I have to
2: say, uh, after this love fest for the, the Maple Leafs, <laughs> they now have a chance. I'm just saying there's a chance to have 12 busts from one draft. <laughs>
1: Man, if they do that, they got to fire that management team—the the Hall of Fame management team that they have put together here. So, uh, man, they put their—they're putting their heads in the noose, and uh, all the chips are in. Certainly, uh, no, you you have to be happy
2: uh, trading. Uh, you know these really guys who are not only pending, you know, free agents, but also unremarkable players, uh, and getting back significant, you know, solid draft picks. Uh, Second round draft picks are no joke. Uh, So you really have to give it up to the Leafs management team uh, in that regard. But, yeah, let's look at a couple of other teams, and uh, we can go straight to Toronto's rival over there in Boston, or at least I think that they're rivals when when the Leafs are good. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, when they were. (laughs) But uh, Louis Erickson is a a pending free agent there, and the, and the, the Bruins are in an interesting situation because they are in the playoff picture very much so. Uh, you know, they're they're sort of in, a, in that gray area where a little losing streak or a little winning streak can be the difference between, uh, you know, a three or four seed and not being in the playoffs at all. So they've got Erickson, and uh, he's, uh, you know, having the best season he's had uh, for Boston. Uh, you know, they got him, and he looked like a, the Sagan trade, he looked like it was going to be a total bust. That hasn't been the case, uh, at least this year. So they're in a, in a little bit of a weird situation. I, I
1: think that they can make a bit of a playoff run. I'd like to get your opinion. Well, I do too, and that's why I find it curious that I'm hearing a lot of rumors involving this guy, and I can't believe that Boston would give him up for anything less than an equal part that uh, maybe has a bigger contract or a little more term. I think they'd love a situation where they get a player back with a little more term than Erickson because he is an expiring uh, contract, and maybe they deal him to... Uh, I, I would say they have to look at, be looking at a Western Conference uh, team rather than uh, supporting the Eastern Conference foes they may line up against in the playoffs. So really the target market that they have with, with Erickson is, is got to be a narrow one, I think. Maybe one of the three California-based clubs because they're going to be in a real dogfight right off the get-go. And, and those three teams out there, I think we should expect big things from the three California clubs because... Let's face it, at least one of them, and certainly two of them, will be gone after the second round. So it's going to be a a battle royale in in the Pacific Division, and I think each of them should be a suitor for Erickson, and that's probably where Boston is looking with this contract that expires at the end of the year. But I wouldn't mind seeing them retain him and seeing how far they can go in the Eastern Conference because as far as I can see, there's only one team that they might fear, and that's the Washington Capitals right now.
2: Well, I think everyone
1: should be afraid of
2: the Washington Capitals, who yeah. are, are in the midst of uh, one of the, the greatest seasons of all time, uh, actually. Uh, last night's loss notwithstanding. Yeah. But, uh, you know, uh, I wonder if one avenue the Bruins could look to pursue with Erickson is uh, finding a match with another team that has a defenseman to trade. Because they could use another body on the blue line, I think, especially a good right handed defenseman who can play, you know, on the on the power play would be a nice addition for Boston. Uh, and especially someone who can who can play both ways, uh, so that's that's not an easy kind of player to get. But Erickson is a nice kind of chip that they
1: can dangle. But you touched on a on a uh, an offensive minded defenseman. There's one right there in the New York Rangers that you won't see that deal happen between the Rangers and the Bruins. I don't think because of what I said before. But uh, the Bruins would be fools to pay Louis Erickson for Dan Boyle. Right. No, no, I'm saying for Keith Yandel. I'm
2: oh, for Yandel, yeah. yeah. Oh, Yandel.
1: Sorry oh. about Yandel. He's, he's another guy that fits the bill at uh, Louis Erickson. Yandel is 29 years old, going on 30. He hasn't had the stats that he, he used to have in, in, uh, in Arizona, but he's still got some skill offensively, and some teams should be interested in him. But again, I'm kind of surprised why the Rangers will be dangling this guy. You're a little closer to that situation. Can you shed some light on that for us? Yeah, I mean, I just think that it's partly
2: – it's its a lot to do with Yandel not being a great fit for the Rangers' system, uh, not being a great defensive defenseman, being a, a bit of a, a risk-taker and sometimes a liability in his own zone. Uh, you know, he, he's he been solid this year. You can't complain about what he's given the Rangers. Uh, but uh, he, he, there's something about him that doesn't fit the identity of this team. I think the Rangers are very much a team with a very specific sort of identity. And Yandel has been sort of on the periphery of it. And, uh, you know, with so many other names on the blue line and a couple of good prospects coming up, at least uh, on the defensive side, uh, Dylan McElrath and Brady Skay, uh, Yandel is kind of expendable. But that said, there's no reason to trade him for a winger like Louis Erickson. I think the the Rangers already have, you know, a number of guys who are kind of like Louis
1: Erickson already. Uh, You can't play that that small, uh, especially in these NHL playoffs. That's right. And then uh, third scenario I'd like to bring up is in Tampa. We already heard uh, about a week or so ago that they have committed to keeping uh, Stephen Stamko's name out of the trade rumors for the balance of this up to the trade dial- deadline at least. But they haven't said the same thing on Jonathan Drouin, who is the guy that's sitting on the sidelines waiting to find out which direction his career takes. I don't think it's going to be in Tampa. I think we can both agree on that quickly. But I I wonder. There's I think, Talks are heating up in terms of interest in this kid and uh, i'll remind our listeners that he was a very high draft prospect second overall pick in his in his draft year so this guy's a talent but there's something going on between his ears that makes me shy away i don't think I'm, i think i'm in the minority in that regard andrew but i do think that that they would do themselves the bolts would do themselves a tremendous service by getting this guy out of town before the playoffs even start and maybe even as soon as the trade deadline on monday well i think it's interesting that
2: it wasn't Duran who ended up uh, breaking, you know, for the, the Lightning. Steve Eiserman came out and said, you know, we'd prefer to deal him sooner than later. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's kind of surprising uh, because it seemed like Eiserman was positioning himself uh, very much in a, a position of power and definitely suspending Duran. We really hadn't heard much of anything about that situation for a while up until yesterday. And, and yeah, I think uh, it's going to be good for everyone involved once once he's gone from there. Yeah. Now uh, you, I just hope that the Rangers get a crack at him.
1: Yeah, that would be a, a nice fit there. You, be another dynamic addition. I mean, but he's not the only one. They're expecting to get Rick Nash back in the next week or so, so I, I guess you're pretty excited about that. And that might really be uh, the best addition that most uh, almost any team makes uh, at the trade deadline if they can get their big shooter back on the wing. I have to tell you uh, – J.T. Miller
2: has been better than Rick Nash, period, end of sentence. Wow. That's a bold statement. He's He has been a better player than Rick Nash on the ice uh, as far as what I've seen this year and uh, you know, going back to the way Nash played last year, which was not extremely impressive. Uh, J.T. Miller has been a better player. He's been making more plays uh, offensively, defensively. He looks more confident. Rick Nash looks beaten down in, in some strange ways. Uh, he doesn't look like uh, a confident player to me, and uh, and his stats have been, you know, mediocre. Since
1: since Miller took over, he's been doing just as well, if not better. We haven't heard a lot about the Rangers out of you in the last couple of weeks, and uh, the King, uh, Henrik Lundqvist, uh, has not been getting the, uh, the headlines that we're used to seeing. I mean, you know, he's not even in the discussion about the top two or three goalies this year, but he's quietly put up the same numbers that he always does, I don't think this guy is getting his due this year. So I'm going to give you a chance to pump his sires, too, and the rest of the club, for that matter.
2: Yeah, Lundquist had a little bit of a rough stretch there, and I think that that really altered perceptions of him, at least in the near term. You know, back in uh, December or January, there were a little bit of struggles there. Uh, things weren't looking as good. Uh, but he's really right of the ship, uh, for the most part, uh, admittedly, if you go up four goals to the doubles the other day. Uh, and and four goals uh, previously to to the Blackhawks. But overall, you know, you look at down the the stat sheet, and the numbers are practically identical. It's it's metronomic, almost, what Henrik Lundqvist is able to do on a year-to-year basis. And, uh, you know, he won't get the credit because it's just expected of him at this point.
1: Yeah, and uh, you mentioned the Devils. What a surprise story they are. In terms of all the teams that are poised to get into the playoffs, I think this is a real Cinderella club. Andrew and uh, they beat the Rangers in a rather impressive fashion the other night, but they've done it with a recipe that didn't make sense to me at the beginning of the season, committing to a number of veteran players, and I thought that they were going to be life and death to make the postseason. They're looking like like a like a good shot to make it, and uh, they got nothing to lose, so it'll be very interesting to see that team the rest of the way. Absolutely. Um, so we had a, a couple of big fantasy performances last night
2: from a couple of guys who. I almost put into my FanDuel
1: lineups. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you
2: were lamenting this before we came to air. I'll give you a chance to go on on this. I hurt myself by inexplicably changing my mind and removing Frederick Anderson and David Pasternak from my FanDuel lineups last night. Those of you who didn't make the same mistake benefited from a shutout for Anderson, two goals from Pasternak, uh, and just uh, the lack of a feeling of shame
1: that you may be feeling uh, this morning. <laughs> well, let's touch <laughs> but, on the. Let's go ahead, please, and then we'll touch on the Anderson situation in Anaheim. I want to get more sure. on that.
2: Uh, but if you have those guys on your fantasy team, or if you missed out, you can tonight on FanDuel, FanDuel.com, one day fantasy sports. You can win real money. Building a team is easy. Pick your players. Stay under the cap. Sit back and watch them win. Uh, I know I've uh, done very well on Fanduel without any inside information. I might add. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're not calling me. <laughs> that's right. Uh, you, I, if, honestly, if I were to take your advice on this, I would probably do better than I than I do now. Uh, you're clearly you've you've got a sense of it. Uh, there's something about the the Canadian
1: blood that we just can't match uh, in some some respects of hockey analysis. Well, I that's think why you're, you're here. I- I thank you for that, but I I also say I'm uh, on an equal footing with you. I admire what you've done. You are the sitting, defending fantasy sports hockey writer of the year as of a couple weeks ago, so that's quite a feather in your cap, and I think we should tout that again. That That was nice of them. You mentioned, mentioned, let me ask you this, about the Anderson and and Gibson situation in Anaheim. That's a two-headed monster. Not too many teams that are going to the playoffs have that circumstance, this side of St. Louis, and we'll talk about that circumstance as well when we hit on a couple of injuries. But what do you think is going to shake down in, in Anaheim? I hear I've been hearing that Anderson is involved in some of the trade talks uh, uh, leading up to the deadline. I don't think they would be uh, well advised to get rid of him until uh, the off-season because they're going to need both goalies, I think, in a long playoff run for that team. I think uh, in an ideal circumstance when you're a playoff team,
2: you want to basically have the same goalie rolling out there every day uh, or every game, uh, you know, because you're getting read the rest in between, uh, and, you know, it is intense. But uh, there's something to that continuity, I think, and you often see teams that have to use a second goalie. Uh, things don't end up going well for them.
1: Yeah, and I, I'm only concerned about the Anaheim circumstance because Gibson has had his injury problems. and Yeah, that's the thing problems. is that Gibson gets hurt. Right, and so that's where I wanted to go with this. There's a little bit of an insurance requirement in Anaheim that most teams don't 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 have to deal with. As you point correctly pointed out, most teams really like to go with that one goalie, but this is one team that has had issues in the nets, and so they may be an anomaly in the playoffs, and in, in that they keep both guys around. Otherwise, I think they gotta seek a ransom for an Anderson because he could be a number one goalie for both. Eight to ten teams that uh, aren't in the playoff race and might be uh, looking up that uh, situation. Oh yeah,
2: in the right situation, Anderson could uh, not only be a a great goalie, uh, but uh, could be a, one of the the best fantasy assets in goal uh, that you could possibly ask for uh, if he got put into you know a circumstance that made sense. On the flip side, he could get sent somewhere
1: that doesn't make a lot of sense, and uh, <laughs> like Edmonton. Nothing makes a lot of sense in Edmonton. I'm going to go on a bit of a rant about that club a little bit later. But uh, before you do, I should say uh, that if you go to
2: FanDuel.com, so we can finish the the little promo, click the microphone in the upper right-hand corner, use the code RWPOD, sign up now. There's a special offer for new users. You get a free six-month Rotowire subscription if you make a $25 deposit on Fanduel which uh, if you uh, play cheap games is enough to take you quite a while, especially if you do some winning, which you certainly can. Beautiful. You must sign up with RWPOD, the promo code. That's over $60 in value for just $25. FanDuel.com, where every day is a new season. Paul? Be- beautiful.
1: And as we try to do every weekend, well, let's take a look around the league and the top ads and drops. This is off of CBS Sports uh, line, which is a feed that we uh, contribute to here at Rotowire uh, right across the board uh, in multiple sports. So uh, we'll begin. A top a top guy who uh, was a big mover this past week, Jordan Stahl. Andrew, he moved up 16%. He's still owned in only 50% of the leagues. This is a top six forward in Carolina, getting a ton of ice time, producing a, t- a lot of points and, and uh, some good marks across the board for, uh, for people who have... Uh, have needs in certain areas he'll play special teams in the second power play unit and his big brother might be moving out of town next week so he'll even maybe move up a little bit higher in the pecking order in carolina andrew yeah you know stall's a guy that i've been uh,
2: notoriously sour on you know uh, a guy who's never really had uh, a single really big season in his career but the it's it's awful hard to deny what he's done over the last 21 games we're talking about uh, nine goals, 24 points, a plus-17 rating. That's really impressive stuff. And uh, for those of you in, in leagues that count hits, he even chips in there. So it's been a, a
1: Jekyll and Hyde story for Stahl, who only had 15 points all year before this uh, run. And uh, another guy who's moved up in, in class in terms of opportunity, right behind him, Braden Shen, up 15%, from 52 to 67%. There, that means that 33% of leagues are still ignoring this guy, despite the fact that he's moved up in class, as I said, playing top six minutes. And, in fact, he's in the number one center right now while Claude Giroux is out of lineup. Giroux might be back as early as this weekend, but then I think that'll just lead to a shift onto the wing for this guy. And he'll still play uh, at least on the second power play unit as well. So a pretty solid pickup. A guy that knows has a nose for the net and plays in the dirty areas. I really like this kid. Yeah, I've always loved Shen. uh Back when I was covering prospects for Roto-Wire,
2: I named him uh, my—he was my top prospect in all of hockey. He hasn't really panned out into that kind of player, but uh, I still think he has a ton of potential. He's a really tough, gritty player, an asset on the power play. 15 power play points this year for Shen. Uh, 34 in the last two seasons. So uh, a great, great young player at 24 years old with I think a lot of upside still uh, to become uh, a 60 point plus kind of player, along with uh, all the the hits and some penalty
1: minutes uh you really get a lot of range Chen. there's a couple of teams in the nhl that are defenseman factories uh andrew one of them is in nashville the other one is minnesota matt dumba is uh, the third guy on this list plus 10 this past week and one day soon this guy is going to have it all come together he's a power play specialist in the making with a booming slapper from the point and he's a top four guy in in their circumstances on most nights in Minnesota I think the uh, he has a higher ceiling than what he's shown And uh, should be snapped up if he's available in your leagues these days
2: Yeah, just uh, 21 years old, Dumba's got a, a ton of upside And he's he's been showing it lately, 9 points in the last 11 games 31 shots on goal in that span uh, As you say, a lot of power play time Playing more, in, more than 4 minutes a game on the power play And that's been a really big number uh, when you're, you know, looking at for guys to roll out there in fantasy, where power play points are like gold, uh, and but the ice time is still a little bit low for Dumbo, so We do have to temper our expectations yeah. for what he's going to do at even strength. Right.
1: And uh, Marty Hansel. This is a guy who hasn't been talked about much in Arizona, but he's in the middle of a, a good situation there on the top line with Max Domi and Anthony, Anthony Duclair. He's available in a lot of leagues too, and uh, he's brought along these two youngsters. Fine rookie seasons, but he has 32 points, and the nine of which are on the power play this year. So if you're looking for a boost in the depth part of your roster, you could do worse than a guy who's playing first-line minutes in, in Arizona right now.
2: Yeah, you know, Hansel's gone a little quiet recently, uh, scoreless in the last three games, but he's it's always been a story of when he's on the ice, he's a pretty solid uh, point producer. Not, not great, but, but good, certainly. Uh, the The issue with Hansel is that uh, every season has been derailed by injury. Uh, he's already missed some time to injury this year and uh, it, it seems like often it's it's only a matter of time until the next one with this guy.
1: And uh, sticking with uh, the Coyotes, uh, I have relatives out there. I've got to talk about this team once in a while. They're listening to this show. <laughs> and they say, why don't you talk about our team a little bit? So I'm going to throw up a bone with Michael Stone. This guy is another guy who's played in the shadow, shadows of Oliver Ekman Larson. He's getting power play time. He's playing top four minutes and uh, producing some points. He's got a pile of assists. Not too big on the goals front, but he's a bit, of a bit of a playmaker on the blue line over there, and his ownership has gone up seven percent in the past week as they try to make a run at the postseason. futile though it looks at the moment. Yeah, Stone's a guy that I'm
2: upset that I slept on in fantasy this year because I liked him coming out of the AHL. You know, I was interested in him uh, tracking his progress the last two seasons, uh, even though he didn't do a, a whole lot from a fantasy perspective. And even though I liked him this year, I didn't end up getting him anywhere. And uh, it looks like I'm starting to miss the few remaining opportunities to to do that in competitive leagues.
1: Yeah, 27 points in 60 games. That's a 40-point defenseman in the making. And he's playing alongside one of the top guys in uh, in anybody's list on, on the blue line. So you can make a real strong case that he should be added uh, as much as possible. He's enjoying a career year out there in, uh, in the desert. And beyond him, we're looking at other uh, other situations around the league, too. And uh, I wonder, we talked about Ken Ward a little bit uh, in recent weeks. He's, his ownership's gone up 6%, and I wonder if that's because people are anticipating he's going to be moved. Andrew, what do you think about this circumstance with, with the Carolina number one goalie? Yeah,
2: I think uh, you got to play the chance that, that Ward might get sent somewhere useful. Uh, he's also been, uh, you know, Kind of a decent fantasy asset lately. Uh, in the last seven games, four, one, and two, a nine thirty-two save percentage. So he's been doing some good things. Although you know, uh, the way it is with Cam Ward, th- these things tend to come in fits and starts. A lot of inconsistency that his owners have had to deal with uh, over the course of his career and from season to season. But uh, yeah, I think this is largely anticipatory. Where teams that are looking to gear up for the playoffs wisely making an investment in a guy whose value is lower now than it may be a week from today.
1: Okay, there's a little noise on the wave on the uh, NHL wires this morning about Ilya Kovalchuk. Andrew, his ownership was next to nothing all year long because he was playing in the KHL. It spiked a little bit this week. It's only up at six, up to six percent, but up four on the news that he may be bolting that league and coming back to the National Hockey League. He's 32 years old. He's a guy who played for Lou Lamarello before, and uh, so certainly there's a connection both to the Devils and to the Leafs. I wonder if this guy crosses the pond. And and, uh, he's he's saying even as as soon as Saturday, he set a bit of a deadline out there saying, if I don't get any commitment the rest of this season and things straighten out, I'm gone by this weekend. And he could rejoin the NHL just that quickly. uh, Because the guy's played all year. He's just looking for a contract to play somewhere or certain situations to straighten out back in the homeland. So that's a situation to watch because this guy was one of the big shooters in the NHL, one of the top snipers when he left. And though he's had a bit of a down season this year, he is capable still, I think.
2: Yeah, what's the, what's the situation with his NHL contract? Uh, is it just
1: canceled out because he, quote-unquote, retired? What I heard is that he, he would have to pass through waivers, and so that means that they would look at the standings in the NHL at, at the waiver date. So the team that's in last place in the league would get a shot at him, that's the Oilers, Right behind them is the Maple Leafs, so that's the way it would be decided, as I understand it at the moment. Though uh, there may be some red tape that uh, that uh, rears its ugly head in the next 24 to 48 hours, should this situation uh, continue to fester. Well, I tell
2: you what, the Leafs are uh, hosting Carolina tonight. You better uh, be rooting for Jordan Stahl.
1: <laughs> yeah, you wanna, wouldn't want to mess up the standings. <laughs> How about players that are being dropped? There's some uh, key injuries across the board. One that we might want to touch on is the Marion Gabrick situation, Andrew. This guy it was a top six player. He was playing even top line minutes in Los Angeles. But there's some noise that he may be sat out almost with a nudge, nudge, wink, wink situation in L.A. They know they're going to be in the playoffs, but they're also trying to create a little bit of cap space. So there's a little bit of maneuvering going on behind the scenes in Los Angeles to say maybe they just hold on to his, uh, his re- return until the postseason, and they take advantage of whatever cap space they can accumulate between now and then so that they make some noise at the trade deadline. A very interesting, calculated move potentially in the offing in the LA Kings situation. I haven't heard all these nudges and winks. Uh,
2: you're you're clued into some, some interesting sources behind the scenes uh, in the NHL,
1: it seems like. Well, I, I'm uh, I'm reading all kinds of websites, getting all sorts of little tidbits from uh, writers that I know. And uh, this one didn't require an NHL connection, though. Uh, uh, writers that I know and I trust have provided me with some good information on these circumstances. And uh, it'll be interesting to see. We've got also to talk about the St. Louis situation, Andrew. In goal, uh, another two-headed monster, Jake Allen, just came back to the roster. But look what happens there. Brian Elliott falls... Uh, to the injury bug and he may be on for the, uh, an extended period of time too, so St. Louis uh, is a team that might be looking for goalie insurance, we've talked about the goalies that make sense in that regard, the Rhymers and the Wards uh, what do you see uh, happening in in, uh, in the show in St. Louis well
2: uh, it's, I, it's, it's some heck of a timing isn't it, uh, one goalie comes back and the other one immediately injured especially with the way that Brian Elliott was playing a uh, real shame for him but uh, you have to think the, the Blues should be content to roll with Allen. Uh, he was great before getting hurt. Uh, I know he wasn't amazing against the Sharks the other day, but uh, uh I'm I the Blues, I feel good rolling him out basically every day uh, down the stretch.
1: Yeah, they haven't got an experienced hand in behind them, so I, I could see them getting a depth guy if it doesn't cost them that sure, much. Sure, sure. This is a team that, that has to be thinking along those lines, and they might find some help even in a place like Winnipeg. That's a team that has three goalies in their circumstances and they need to make a decision on one, but they certainly don't need to keep all three, so maybe they'll be a fit there. Those two teams have done a number of transactions over the years, so pretty good relationship in the front office. Might see some, some moves, but St. Louis has to be worried about the Alex Dean situation. Andrew, this guy was placed on the IR on Sunday due to an upper body injury, and uh, he, he will be reevaluated in a few weeks, but that's pretty darn close to the playoffs. You're missing a key cog in that wheel maybe st louis tries to bolster their situation uh prior to the deadline uh to fill that situation but it might be a bonanza at the deadline i mean in the end of the regular season if he's healthy though yeah absolutely um no i I agree with you and so let's uh swing into your ad to the to rotowire you you got to do that one again you do such a great job (laughs) (laughs) we're the only show that introduces the promo
2: bits and the comments on them, works them in... Uh, If we had video, we could probably do this even better, but uh, if you guys haven't been to rotowire.com, haven't read our content, uh, I don't know what you're doing here. Why why are you listening to this podcast? Uh. (laughs) Because we're that good. (laughs) That's right. Go to rotowire.com slash pod. You can get yourself a free 10-day subscription to Rotowire. You can read our wonderful content as well as listening to it on your Uh, audio device of choice. Uh, rotowire.com slash pod. Check out some uh, hockey content. Baseball season's about to get going. Uh, We've got tons of uh, great articles about what's going on this baseball season, fantasy sleepers, uh, fantasy rankings,
1: uh, draft kit, apps. rotowire.com slash pod. Excellent. And now it's the time of the show that we bring it to a close almost, but uh, not before we do the stud and the rant. And this, this it takes a little bit of an effort for me on the, on the start of the week because I absolutely hate this guy. Brad Marchand is, is one of the league's super pests. And one of the guys, actually, that I have to say, I have to kick myself. At the beginning of the season, I said he was going to be one of those guys that was going to be a bust player this year just because he lost his bodyguard in Milan Lucic and the team was not going to be as tough. But look what this guy has done. He's put together a career year with 31 tallies so far on the verge of new points high as well, and he's done it in part of the season without his regular center, Patrice Bergeron. So i got to say, my hat reluctantly is off to this, this guy. He's got eight goals, four assists in his last ten games, and he's tied with one Alex Ovechkin at the top of the scoring ladder in that regard. So uh, this is one that I even muffed, Andrew, and... Uh, I didn't see it coming, but he's full value for being the stud of the week this week, in my opinion. Yeah, as it as it turned out, he didn't need someone
2: to protect him; he just needed someone to give him the puck and let him let it rip. <laughs> uh, because that's what he's been doing. Uh, Marchand, if you haven't noticed, not only already sitting on a career high in goals, also sitting on a career high in shots on goal, uh, pointing to this uh, this ain't
1: luck. Uh, the guy is uh, just gearing up and letting it rip, and uh, and it's working out real well. And, I mean, not only does he score in a power play, but he's one of the top guys when they're shorthanded. In the last few years in the NHL, he's one of the top snipers when the team is down a man. So a threat no matter what the circumstance is. And... Uh He's proved me wrong so far, and uh, I don't. Uh, I have a little trouble saying it. I don't mind admitting it once in a while, but in this circumstance, it kind of hurts. I got to tell you, pretty amazing how many of those goals have come at even strength. Uh, he only has six power
2: play goals. You know, the average is a minute twenty-five on the power play per game. So that's that's just an incredible number for a guy who's uh, among the league scoring leaders.
1: Yeah, and then and then the start of the week. I got to talk about an incredible number right off the top. The Edmonton Oilers have collected the first draft pick in four of the last six seasons and you turn the standings upside down, they're at the top of them once again, and they have... Hey, Toronto's tied. Yeah, but (laughs) if you're looking at win percentage, and that's what I look at very closely every day, uh, the the Oilers have played a few games uh, more than the Leafs, and they're tied in points, so the Leafs have to do some more losing, and they're certainly primed for that. But right now, the the Oilers are a team... With those four draft lottery wins, and uh, they right now stand a 20% chance of getting the first pick again, and the league has has got to take a look at this circumstance. This is really the worst manage, management team in the NHL. They've proved it over and over, keep drafting the same types of players at the top of the, the ladder, and it's just not working out. I don't know what they're going to do at the trade deadline, but they have to shake things up. But the NHL needs to shake something up because this can't, team can't be allowed to win another draft lottery. That's my rant. I just don't want to see the Oilers logo on draft lottery <laughs> night be the last one picked. I will throw something at the television. What? It, it's, a,
2: it, it's a tradition at this point, right? Like <laughs> It's just the way it is, you know? It's like the Patriots are in the playoffs. The Oilers have the
1: f- first overall pick. That's the way it goes. I just don't have the stomach to watch that. Uh, they one... must
2: have uh, weighted ping pong balls in that lottery or something, though, <laughs> uh, because even though they've got the you know the majority, that's uh, that looks a little too good. Oh my But God. Uh, maybe they should be weighting something else because uh, things just don't seem to work out in Edmonton, no matter how many first overall picks they had. And uh, you know, part of it is uh, it's like a, it's strange because how can a team that's gone through so many coaches have a, a structural issues? Uh, defensively like this, uh, just consistently, no matter you change the coaches, you bring in, you know, some other guys. And, uh,
1: and you know, on the, the back end of that Edmonton lineup is always just a tr- – it's, it's a, a trash fire. Well, and that's because the guys that they drafted at the top end have always been these same forwards, these skilled pretty boys that don't like <laughs> to make, they don't like to mix it up, and that's something that uh, that this coach Todd McClellan, doesn't stand for, and he's called a couple of them out in recent weeks. So it's going to be a a real tire fire uh, the rest of the season in uh, in Edmonton because the coach has put them on notice that he's not stomaching this uh, indifference toward the defensive side of the puck. It's top to bottom, and th- something that needs to be addressed in Edmonton. But the thing that the NHL needs to address, they can't let this team win another lottery. I'm just going to go apeshit if they have How much better would this team be if they had Aaron Ekblad
2: instead of, say, Ryan Nugent Hopkins?
1: Oh, 100%. This is a, that's a guy who's a power play quarterback. I mean, not even, never
2: mind Neil Yakupov.
1: No, he's a part, not going to
2: talk about that. Yeah, Yakupov's
1: <laughs> the guy that's going to be dumped uh, sooner rather than later. This guy uh, really was hoping that uh, he could be back on the McDavid unit because that's where he got nine of his points, uh, a paltry point total that he had early in the season, and he hasn't really added much, and he's playing fourth-line minutes. That's not what you want from a number-one pick overall, Andrew, and no way, no how. Absolutely not. I really
2: maybe, – maybe Yakupov will resurrect his career with another team. I don't know how you can be a number-one overall pick in the NHL, which is – it's really hard to do. It's not like uh, just anyone gets fixed first overall. It's it's hard to bust as hard as Yakupov has, and in, in a way where he's demonstrated so few skills.
1: Yeah, there's not been too many in recent years. Alexander Deg is another one that uh, comes to mind in this terms of a spectacular failure from the number one spot. Considering all the all the pundits who rec- uh, record an in, a, le- uh, a list and they the N- NHL central scouting that goes and sees these guys on a nightly basis. They shouldn't miss that big on a player like that, but yet they did in this circumstance. And Edmonton has missed too often. I don't want them to get another chance. <laughs> so uh, before I start to get the tremors, I think we should wrap up another episode of The Great One, An- Great Ones, Andrew, uh, uh Roto-Wire's weekly hockey podcast. So for Andrew Fiorentino, I am Paul Bruno, thanking you for giving us a listen and inviting you to come back and catch the next episode of our show next week. So long, everybody.
0: This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-Blade Razor and Shave Gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R.